Meditations on Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning Part 1. A Hint from Heaven Even the helpless victim of a hopeless situation, facing a fate he cannot change, may rise above himself. He may turn a personal tragedy into a triumph. This, in short, is the message of Viktor Frankl's life and book, Man's Search for Meaning. Frankl's hopeless situation is unique in its terror. As a young, succeeding psychologist living in Vienna during Hitler's takeover of Austria, Frankl, his parents, sibling, and his wife were all arrested and imprisoned in concentration camps. We hear about Frankl's survival, or triumph, I'll call it, and upon his being freed, learning that none of his loved ones survived. These experiences, as well as his genius, helped form this powerful idea That who we are is not tied to fate, but to the purpose we choose to embody and express even in spite of fate. Even if we have not survived a terrible event as unique as Frankel's, his message is still for all of us. It is also important to remark that Frankel doesn't think we have to suffer to find meaning. Each of us is faced with circumstances from time to time, from pain to conflicts to aging to loving to coming to terms with our own mortality. The question should never be, how do these things define ourselves, but who will we become? Part of Frankl's message to us is that the choice to be in our highest integrity, to be our most true, is greater than our instinct to just survive. Note this choice of Frankl's that in a sense foreshadows his most awful and triumphant journey. Frankl was a promising psychologist, and unlike many other Jews who knew that arrests were certainly coming that they could not escape, Frankel actually did have a choice. He shares, Shortly before the United States entered World War II, I received an invitation to come to the American consulate in Vienna to pick up my immigration visa. My old parents were overjoyed because they expected that I would soon be allowed to leave Austria. I suddenly hesitated, however, The question beset me. Could I really afford to leave my parents alone to face their fate, to be sent sooner or later to a concentration camp, or even to a so-called extermination camp? Where did my responsibility lie? Should I foster my brainchild logotherapy by emigrating to fertile soil where I could write my books? Or should I concentrate on my duties as a real child, the child of my parents who had to do whatever he could to protect them? I pondered the problem this way and that, but could not arrive at a solution. This was the type of dilemma that made one wish for a hint from heaven, as the phrase goes. It was then that I noticed a piece of marble on a table at home. When I asked my father about it, he explained that he had found it on the site where the National Socialists had burned down the largest Viennese synagogue. He had taken the piece home because it was a part of the tablets on which the Ten Commandments were inscribed. One gilded Hebrew letter was engraved on the piece. My father explained that this letter stood for one of the commandments. Eagerly, I asked, Which one is it? He answered, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land. At that moment, I decided to stay with my father and my mother upon the land and to let the American visa lapse. There was his hint from heaven. 
Have you ever found yourself faced with a difficult situation only to experience a hint from heaven that tells you that there is a reason in that for you? Not to suffer whatever fate may befall you, but to triumph in being your highest and most true self. The stories of success and joy in our communities are amazing, but in particular are the stories of triumph that make us who we are. The survivors of abuse, of poverty, of sickness. Again, there's no rationalizing to make any of the awful things that happen in any way okay to any of us. But Frankl's message to us is that in how we respond to what happens to us, there is our reason. By not turning off, giving in, or denying our values, we can respond with our highest self. That reason, Frankl tells us, is who we become. To turn hurt into healing, fear into love, failure to success. This, to me, is the greatest of human magic. It is how man and women demonstrate God. In a concentration camp, Frankl tells the following story of the insult of his circumstance. This instance happens when in two-degree temperatures he's forced to lay water pipes, already at a point of starvation and weakness. A guard approaches him. You pig! I have been watching you the whole time. I'll teach you to work. Wait till you dig dirt with your teeth. You'll die like an animal. In two days, I'll finish you off. You've never done a stroke of work in your life. What were you, swine? A businessman? I was past caring, but I had to take this threat of killing me seriously, so I straightened up and looked him directly in the eye. I was a doctor. A specialist. What? A doctor? I bet you got a lot of money out of people. As it happens, I did most of my work for no money at all, in clinics for the poor. But now I had said too much. He threw himself on me and knocked me down, shouting like a madman. I can no longer remember what he shouted. Franco goes on. Indignation can rouse even a seemingly hardened prisoner. Indignation, not about cruelty or pain, but about the insult connected with it. That time blood rushed to my head because I had to listen to a man judge my life who had so little idea of it. In our own lives, it might be a man, but more often it is a circumstance that disrespects who we are. Let us not allow them to define us. We must claim our truth and how we hold ourselves in the power of our response. Central to this idea of a hint from heaven is that the central recognition that however suffocating a circumstance may seem, that circumstance is not all there is. If we listen, if we stay open, it reveals itself to us, that hint from heaven. Frankel has a powerful experience of this one early morning trekking to a worksite. We stumbled on in the darkness, over big stones and through large puddles, along the one road leading from the camp. The accompanying guards kept shouting at us and driving us with the butts of their rifles. Anyone with very sore feet supported himself on his neighbor's arm. Hardly a word was spoke. The icy wind did not encourage talk. Hiding his mouth behind his upward collar, the man marching next to me whispered suddenly, If our wives could see us now, I do hope they are better off in their camps and don't know what is happening to us. That brought thoughts of my own wife to mind. As we stumbled on for miles, slipping on icy spots, supporting each other time and again, dragging one another up and onward, nothing was said. But we both knew. Each of us was thinking of his wife.
Occasionally, I looked at the sky where the stars were fading and the pink light of the morning was beginning to spread behind a dark bank of clouds. But my mind clung to my wife's image, imagining it with an uncanny acuteness. I heard her answering me, saw her smile, her frank and encouraging look. Real or not, her look was then more luminous than the sun which was beginning to rise. One way to interpret that story is to say that it was a sad delusion, especially considering what we, the reader, know, that his wife had not survived. Yet through the vision of our loved ones, through hope, is this not how God speaks to us? Not with booming words, but with the treasures of the heart. Frankel does not promise us that tuning into heaven's hints will change the fates bestowed us, just that it reminds us that there is more to us than the apparent fate. If you experience poverty, that is not who you are. If you experience dying, that is not who you are. You are, we all are, children of God, and these hints from heaven remind us of that fact. They don't fix our problems, but like a supportive presence, a little wink of faith in us from the divine helps us to walk forward through whatever the challenge may be. To complete Frankel's experience of his wife, a thought transfixed me. For the first time in my life, I saw the truth as it is set into song by so many poets, proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers, the truth that love is the ultimate and the highest goal to which man can aspire. Then I grasped the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart. The salvation of man is through love and in love. I understood how a man who has nothing left in this world still may know bliss, be it only for a brief moment in the contemplation of his beloved. In a position of utter desolation, when man cannot express himself in positive action, when his only achievement may consist in enduring his sufferings in the right way, an honorable way. In such a position, man can, through loving contemplation of the image he carries of his beloved, achieve fulfillment. For the first time in my life, I was able to understand the meaning of the words, the angels are lost in perpetual contemplation of an infinite glory.